Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. As we grow in fear and reverence for the God above, we become wiser about what God is doing in our lives. And as we gain knowledge of who God is and the character of God, we start to understand his plan for our lives. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In the New Testament, Jesus had a lot to say about heaven, hell, faith, and salvation. But there is one topic that Jesus talked about more than all of these topics combined, how to manage money. In fact, one in 10 verses in the New Testament is about managing money. 16 of the 38 parables are about how to manage money. One in four teachings from Jesus are about, you guessed it, how to manage your money. In this series, we're going to dig deep into Jesus's teachings about this important subject. The reason we are doing this isn't because God wants something from you, it's because God wants something for you. You see, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. That is why the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hope is that through this series, you will gain insights into how to have more margin, less debt, an increase in peace, a decrease in greed, and most importantly, a greater appreciation for all that God has given you in Jesus. We want to extend an invitation to you. If you live in or are visiting the Denver metropolitan area, we would love to have you attend a service at Valley View Christian Church this Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Now please enjoy today's message. Going up because it is a stressful way of spending money to me. But spending here in the West looks a lot different than the way it looks in the rest of the world. And here's what I mean by that. We spend a lot of money on things that we don't necessarily need. Here's a chart to illustrate this point to you. So this is an average way of how Americans spend their money. Now, a big chunk of the chart is spent in housing, which is true, especially if you live in Denver. Um, But then there's other things in there like... uh, $1,833 in clothes. Yeah, right. It's way more than that if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, You got about $3,200 in entertainment. Again, that number seems kind of low to what I think it actually is. Uh, You got $550 up there on alcoholic beverages. I know people that spend that much in a night. So that, I know for a fact, is not even correct. But here's what I'm trying to say by this chart is that A lot of our money we spend on things we don't necessarily need. So what does the Bible say? So the first time that spending is addressed in the scriptures is in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 14.26. And you've already heard this verse being read, but here it is. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Now, quick side note, the Levites had nothing. They had no no money coming to them. They had no money to spend. They relied fully on the people around them giving them a lot like me. I rely fully on your donations and your giving to the church. Um, But that's that's how the Levites made a living. So I think what, what we're trying to get out of this verse is this, that we We can spend our money on things that we need and on godly things, but at some point we have to give back to some extent. Now, I do find it interesting that the first time that money is mentioned is about tithing as well, but we'll get to that later. 
I want to look at another part of scripture. Isaiah 55, 1 through 2 says this. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Now, this is God speaking right here. And he's telling us, hey, come get the best of the best. Come get like the top shelf of, st- uh, of something that you can get, anything that the, uh, better than anything the world can offer. And that is a relationship with him that is freely given. And then if you keep reading, you kind of can pick up a little bit of a confused tone in this where God is basically asking, why are you chasing happiness in things that are going to leave you empty in the end? Why are you chasing happiness in things that aren't going to satisfy you? Because all those things that you're chasing after aren't going to be around forever. Now, for the record, I don't think that spending money is bad or that God doesn't want you to spend money. You know, you buy that house, get that car, go on that vacation. You need food. You need clothes. Please buy clothes and wear the clothes. Like you need all those things in your life. But there are two things that I think we need to focus on when it comes to spending our money. The first thing is this. We should be using the things we spent money on for the kingdom of God whenever possible. And the second one is this, which is our main point for this section. Don't allow your material wealth to become your savior or your source of everlasting fulfillment. Because it will fail you time and time and time again. I promise you that. I came across this quote that wraps the idea up really well, and it says this, with everything money can buy today, we can easily lose our focus and take God for granted, looking for and desiring the material things he can give us rather than desiring him, looking forward and wanting the things that God blesses us with more than actually looking for a deeper relationship with God. So we're going to pivot now, and if spending is the font aunt or uncle then we're going to move over to the uptight parent, which is saving. So we're going to start talking about saving now. Now, we all know that saving is extremely important, right? You, you, need a, you need a rainy day fund. You save money for maybe a big purchase, like a new car or a house. The Bible talks about how important it is. You know, in the book of Proverbs, we read, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. The question, though, is how well do we save? How well do we go about saving? Now, I'm going to be completely honest and transparent with you. I hate saving. I hate saving because it means that there is a delay in what I actually want to do, which is spend the money. I don't want to save the money. Um, and, And saving means that you are delaying your instant gratification for future gratification. Now, it's easy for some, but for me, it it just isn't. And And I know there's people like me in the room, so here we go. Every relationship, typically, not all, have a spender and have a saver. If you're the spender in your relationship, would you go ahead and raise your hand? Yeah, loud and proud. Don't, come on, higher, higher. I'm with you. I see you. You are heard. You are seen. We are all the same. Camaraderie. Okay, you can put your hands down. If you are 
to savor in the relationship, if you keep the house afloat, would you go ahead and put your hand up? Yes, you guys are super boring, but hey, we need you. Um, Hey, if you are the spender and you have that saver next to you, give them a hug, because if it wasn't for them, you would be living in a cardboard box in an alley somewhere, right next to me. Proverbs 21.20, this one's for, for us spenders. It says this, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. It's talking about how, how a wise man holds on to these precious treasures and oils, but a fool devours those treasures and oils. They, they don't save them. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Now we're going to look at what people back in the day did when it came to their resources because their resources was their their type of income. So we're going to look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament real quick. If you're not familiar with Joseph, here's here's a quick recap. Joseph was his dad's favorite son. His brothers were super jealous about it. They threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. A few years later, he ends up in Egypt and he ascends the rank from lowly slave all the way to the second in command right next to Pharaoh. And the way he does that is by interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh had been having these dreams and he didn't know what they meant. And so uh, when he told the dreams to Joseph, Joseph told him, hey, this is what they mean. There's going to be seven years here that there's going to be an abundance in the land. There's going to be crops galore. There's going to be cattle. There's going to be resources. Everything is going to be great. And then immediately after those seven years, we're going to get seven years of famine where there will be nothing in the land. No crops are going to grow. You're not going to have any cattle it's going to be a terrible, terrible time. So the whole idea of that was Joseph telling Pharaoh, hey, you should save during those years of plenty. Now, the issue, I think, for many of us is that, and especially when it comes to young people, is we look at the now. We don't really think about the future when it comes to our finances. We look at what's in front of us, what we want right now. And I think it's, it, it, it's summed up in a heart issue. And here's what I mean by that. We as a country, as, as a people, are insatiable when it comes to consuming. We cannot stop consuming. In almost all aspects of life, but definitely when it comes to acquiring things, we are a consumer-driven nation to the T. Here's some proof. Now, don't lie when I ask this question. You're in church. How many of you have ever come across a little extra money, maybe you didn't account for, and you told yourself this in your head, man, this money's burning a hole in my pocket. I got to spend this money. Man, I know that's me. You give me, like, like if I find 20 bucks in a pair of jeans that I forgot about, I'm not telling my wife I found 20 bucks. I'm going to go buy something with that. I got I to spend it. Because we are consumers to a fault. Every single one of us in some way. 
The issue, though, is the fact that you and I continuously seek satisfaction through things which affect our need and our want to save money when true satisfaction can only be found in God. On the other end, I think there is a possible danger to saving too much money. I know you probably didn't expect to hear me say that, but hear me out. I think there's a danger to saving too much money and swinging that pendulum to the complete other extreme. And here's what I mean by that. When wealth increases beyond basic needs and a reasonable amount of money for the future, you are at risk too. Here's why. Because too much money can lead us once again to rely on the money and not rely on God, who is who we should be relying on fully. Back to the story of Joseph. It teaches us exactly the way that we are to save, though not with the happiest of endings. Um, God provides an abundance. We save from that abundance. And in the future, we get to use that abundance. And more importantly, we get to help other people with that abundance. Now, it's a little bit different the way the Egyptians did it. If you talk to scholars, they actually say that the Egyptians traded that surplus they had to the Israelites for their land and their resources, which ultimately leads the Israelites to become slaves to the Egyptians. Um, so we won't do that part, ignore that part of the story. Um, but here's a, here's a worldly example of somebody that, is, that used their wealth to do something good. Does anybody know who Mark Cuban is? Mark Cuban, yeah. He's a billionaire. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's on the show Shark Tank, which I watch every episode of. Um, and I've only bought two things off of it, so be proud of me. Uh, but Mark Cuban recently uh, came out with an online pharmacy. He, he, he started an online pharmacy. And on this pharmacy, he has over 100 different prescription drugs that you can put your prescription through. And the drugs on there are only marked up 15%. And there's only a $3 pharmacy fee. Now, if you have no idea how markups work in the pharmaceutical world, 15 may sound like a lot. But in the real world, not on this online platform, drugs are usually marked up anywhere from the average, which is 100%, up to 1,000%. So on this website, people can get a drug that usually would cost them $9,000 a month for $47 a month. Now, here's the thing. Mr. Cuban doesn't do this because of his faith. He is actually pretty open about the fact that he's not a religious guy. He was raised Jewish, but he's, he doesn't really believe in anything. He does this because he has more money than he probably knows what to do with and because he saw an issue that needed fixing. But here's how this applies to Christians. Us Christians, as believers, we do things like these. We do good because we know what we've been given in Christ. We know what we've received in Christ. Here's my main point with this, is that God is always going to take care of his people, but it's up to us to be wise with those blessings and bless others when we are able to. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11 says this, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, moving on from this one, we're going to go to the one we're most familiar with, and that's tithing. Tithing is extremely important, and it's probably the easiest one to talk about in church, right? We do it every Sunday. We just did it. Um, but it's also one of the hardest ones to put into practice if you're really honest with yourself. I was uh, a few years back, I was having a conversation um, with this gentleman. He was a doctor. He had been a doctor for about 20 years. So you could say that he was making a pretty good living. 
and he had just started attending church and he knew that I was going to school to be a pastor. And so he asked me, hey, what, what's the deal with tithing? I said, what do you mean? And he says, you mean to tell me that I have to give 10% of what I make to a church? And I said, um, yeah, I mean, that's what the scriptures say. You know, we're supposed to give back to God from, from what we make. And he said, you, you, just, you don't understand though, 10% of my salary is probably the yearly salary for a lot of different people because I make, you know, he made that much money. And, and this whole time he's wrestling with the idea of giving up his money. He's like, this is my money. I've worked for this money. I earned this money. It's my money. And this whole time I'm thinking, there's the issue. The issue is that you keep calling it your money. The issue is that I keep calling it my money. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18 puts it very clear. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Here's a newsflash for you, you ready? All the money in your checking, in your savings, in your Bitcoin, in your portfolio, under your mattress, in your offshore Swiss banking account that you withdraw from to go golfing without your wife knowing, all of that money doesn't belong to you. It's not your money. It never was your money. It never will be your money. That money belongs to God. That money does not belong to us. Leviticus 27.30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the question is, how do you and I align with this idea? The idea that this money that we've earned isn't actually our money, because that is difficult to, to grasp. The issue here lies in control. We don't like not being in control. We need to have every, every facet of our lives under control. And especially when it comes to finances, because no one likes being told where, what, or how to spend their money. But you and I have to, have to let go of this death grip that we have on our finances. You see this tattoo on like 85% of Christian girls at a Bible college. It says, let go and let God. And as cheesy as it sounds, it's true. We need to find a way to let go and let God handle it. Hebrews 12.1 says this, 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other translations, it says, throw off whatever hinders you from following God fully. And in this case, what we need to be throwing off is our desperate need for control. But to do that, to really let go of that control, you have to know who God is. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you would give up full control of your finances, full control of anything that's important to you to a perfectly good stranger that just walked up to your door? Nobody? Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. Guys, I, I don't even let my wife handle my cast iron pan because I'm afraid that she's going to break it. And I don't even trust her with that. Let alone, I'm not going to give my money and my finances to some random Joe Schmo to handle it because I don't know him. I don't know who they are. You have a hard time letting go of things you want to control because you have no clue if you can trust God to provide. And you can't trust God to provide because you don't know him. That's the issue. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. As we grow in fear and reverence for the God above, we become wiser about what God is doing in our lives. And as we gain knowledge of who God is and the character of God, we start to understand his plan for our lives. When you know the heart of the Father, when we know the heart of the Father, it's easier for us to trust him. And this leads us to release control. And then that allows it for us to give more willingly, whether we think we have enough or not. Here's my main point. God is calling you to give up your control, to be still, and to know that he is your God. That's what he's calling you to do. And this doesn't just apply to money. This applies to every facet of your life. Listen, I get it. Money is not a fun conversation to have, right? Especially when things aren't looking good, which by the way, don't check your portfolio right now. It's a lot of red out there. But one of our students said this quote, which, which I, I think wraps it all up in a good bow. She said, money is an idol that we are all forced to worship. Money is an idol that you and I are forced to worship. Sadly, we live in this truth to an extent. It is a necessary evil. But God has a thing or two to teach us on how we can take this money issue and we can redeem it through him. Because God can truly redeem anything when he chooses to do so. Now, I don't think that, that God is calling you to never spend your money or to not have money but I do believe that he is calling you to honor him with your finances, whether they're big or they're small. But all the things that we've talked about today fall flat on their face if you don't remember that last point. All the things we've talked about today fall flat on their face if you don't know the heart of your creator, of the creator God that loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. A creator that loves you and wants you to have a full life a full life that, that is fulfilled by him, not anything that the world could ever give you. God doesn't promise us riches. He doesn't say the bigger your faith, the more money you're gonna have. If you ever hear a preacher say that, run the opposite way. 
because that ain't true. But here's what God does promise. He promises that he will provide for us in the best way that he sees fit. And the best way that God sees fit is sometimes 10, 100 times better than anything you and I could have ever imagined. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, I, uh, I thank you for this day, Father. I thank you for um, just the people that are here. Lord, I ask that um, you would just let these words from, from your scriptures, Lord, sink into our hearts. Father, that if there's anybody out there that is struggling with the idea of giving up control, God, that you would, um, that you would humble us and that you would encourage us to lean into you. God, that you would encourage us to remain still and to rely on you and to rest in you. Father, would you encounter us in personal ways? Would you make yourself known to us? God, would you help us honor you with our resources and with our money in whatever way that, that seems fit? God, I know that, we, that you don't want our money. You want our hearts. So Father, would you take hold of those today? Would you help us continuously seek ways to advance the kingdom? Would you bless us the remaining days of our lives? Would you go before us this week? Lord, we thank you for every blessing that you bestow upon us. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we pray that every day of our lives, you remind us of who we are and whose we are. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.